0: Can't we just admit that Williams is doing everything right right now? And whatever McLaren can do, they can do? Yes, I know of the obvious bias because they're a British team, but hear me out, okay? Now, considering I'm a McLaren fan, I've not discussed fully why they could be Red Bull's challenger for 2024. I would like to use them as an example as to why what they were able to do with their team, in terms of restructuring, could easily happen with the likes of Williams. It's just that the Oxfordshire-based team are just a couple of years behind them, that's all. They've got a long road ahead of them to get back to anywhere near the sweet smell of success they had back in the 90s or even in the 2000s, which is what McLaren had to deal with, that existential crisis of 2018, that, hey, maybe we shouldn't blame Honda for all of the problems with the car. As I touched upon in my video about the soft launch of the brand new logo, it's a necessary next chapter in eschewing the past failures of the team. Now, sure... The current logo of Williams is widely acknowledged as being a pretty good logo and is cherished amongst the community and the Williams fans. But let's be real here. It's been part of a very, very troubling time for Williams. Easily one of their least successful and probably one of their worst periods ever in terms of competition. Williams are understandably looking for means to renovate themselves, refresh themselves, change their outlook and, most importantly, their design language One of the biggest factors going against Williams was that it was a team struggling to survive in a world where giant manufacturers were coming in and other smaller teams were making deals with engine makers just to stay afloat. It's kind of like what Aston Martin's doing right now with Honda. Them having exclusive rights to the Honda engine and having a partnership which is effectively Honda having a works team without having to actually call themselves a works team in case Honda decide to leave the sport for the billionth time. Is Williams doing that? Well, not exactly. They are playing a very softly, softly approach, much like with McLaren. They have signed a deal with Mercedes High Power Performance, which is technically not the same as the Mercedes-AMG team. It's a whole other division, even though it is still Mercedes. But when you get reports that Mercedes are still looking likely to be the favorites in terms of engine power output for at least the first phase of the 2026 rule regulations, then this seems like a very solid decision and not desiring to rock the boat and changing the entire architecture of what they already know. This smartness, as well as other things, mean that the team has been able to pull itself back from the brink and become a shining example of the positives of the cost cap. Yes, I know a lot of people aren't exactly lovers of the cost cap, that it's caused some problems within Formula One, especially for the bigger teams. But Williams is the biggest positive case study as to why the cost cap has been a real benefit for Teams wanting to catch up. You can look back through the last three decades easily. You'd have Ferrari, McLaren, and even Williams for a while being the three big titans of the sport, whereas most of the other teams would have lucky breaks and occasionally get a podium or maybe a few points right about fifth or sixth when some of the bigger teams would either just fail due to reliability or take each other out through competition that kind of stuff. It would be an absolute big deal if a non-Ferrari, McLaren, Williams, or Benetton team managed to scoop up a podium. It's because they had immense resources to chuck at departments, go testing constantly, and generally just scoop up the points. Money meant you could become the best and stand a good chance at staying at the front. And the domination period of Red Bull and Mercedes, they had the capital and the resources to be able to constantly improve themselves, spending hundreds of millions of dollars on everything just to be able to get those points constantly that's why for the longest time you'd see all of these brand new teams coming into the sport and then going away again after a couple of years due to the fact they run out of money because they have to find countless tens of millions of pounds just to even get anywhere near the chance of scoring a singular point because the three biggest teams would just take them all and when you don't have points the sponsors don't get happy and they leave now though with the cost cap that's no longer a thing all 10 teams in Formula One now have no risk of falling into bankruptcy. Okay, maybe Haas does a little bit, but it's certainly a lot more better prospect than Haas would have had, say, 20 years ago. And the cost cap has also meant that the bigger teams who didn't prepare for the cost cap were left frustrated with not being able to buy their way out of the problems quickly, something that Mercedes are coming to terms with now. And you could say, in a way, even the likes of Ferrari clued themselves up on it before 2021, with them divesting a huge chunk of their workforce to Haas, as well as their technical director Simone Resta, but they are making good use of Rory Byrne, one of the people in charge of the 2000 domination period of Ferrari, as being an advisor to the Project 676 campaign. So that's a good thing, and also kind of smart, so he's an advisor, not necessarily on the payroll properly. Very, very smart there. And this cost cap revolution, it couldn't have come soon enough for Williams, because back in 2019, they were struggling hard. Too many departments making other things. The desire to make everything themselves was also expensive. A team culture was extremely cliquey and a lack of general direction in the midst of them falling way down to the back. But to be fair, though, Williams have had a really, really tricky period of making some very rash and foolish decisions based on stubbornness. You know, Nigel Mansell and Damon Hill, two drivers who got them World Championships and Constructors' Championships, well, they left because Patrick Head and Frank Williams found somebody better because they lost faith in them way too soon. They would usually have somebody lined up at the beginning of the season before a championship run was even considered. That's why Nigel Mansell left for IndyCar and then got a championship there. Probably one of the few drivers, in fact, I think the only driver, to get an F1 Championship and then an IndyCar Championship – On the trot and then damon hill got bumped off to arrows and then he fell away into mediocrity with jordan and then oh my god hill's 99 season i never seen somebody so jaded with formula one i really didn't have much sympathy for williams back in the 90s because they made some really boneheaded decisions and a combination of those over time, including a tech te- with BMW, led to probably a lot of their downfalls and then falling out of relevancy. But what does it matter? It was Frank Williams' team to run. He can do what he wants. I'm just a guy on a ladder. But now, though, the team feels like a completely different entity to me. Williams feels like the ultimate Paragon team, with James Vowles in charge and thankfully providing some direction. Twelve months ago, I really thought the team was in trouble of falling apart, that Doralton Capital had lost complete faith and direction of the entire project. But now, with the Mercedes guy coming in in charge, it all completely changed. And quite frankly, it changed in terms of optimism in a single day. The moment they announced James Valves of being in charge to help guide Alex Albon and Logan Sargent to a fairly decent campaign in 2023, it all looks so much better. He's nothing like the Williams leaders of the past, but that model, the previous one, just doesn't work in F1 anymore. It's simply far too expensive and it takes money away from the racing itself. That external influence and observation of Vals has been crucial in getting Williams back on their feet and knowing exactly what they need to spend on, and that realistically, it is going to take a while to see long-term gains, but the fact is, though, they can look forward to the future. He's been able to shine light on the weaknesses that Williams has. Fight for them to be corrected. Fight for the team to gain some more capex spending and assistance. That laser-guided accuracy in what exactly to invest in has been absolutely critical in terms of Williams getting a very serious campaign in motion. And something that McLaren did as well. They knew exactly what they needed to do in terms of restructuring after their 2020 near bankruptcy and rebuild themselves into a much leaner and more agile and swifter Formula One team. These times are where the cost cap will start to bring the grid closer together. In its fourth season, we have seen that motion with McLaren, and now Williams are doing the same thing. The team culture feels different, and much like with McLaren right now, especially with their Whatever It Takes campaign, Williams just has a really nice... Vibe to it, you know. Now, I know, I know. You're cringing at me saying the word vibes, but it's true, though. You feel like the team is going places, that everything is looking up for them, even though they're not in the top of the midfield. They're not in the front runners. You just feel like Williams, they really feel good that they've got this, that they've got everything under control. You're rooting for them. They feel like a team you want to back because they've got all of their ducks in a row. Sure. I know that a lot of people are questioning the legitimacy of Logan Sargent's campaign, but the fact that Williams are going against the grain of conventional thinking and not having faith in rookies for the fact that they are seemingly too expensive, even though Logan Sargent has been expensive, they have stuck to their guns and have seen something that we haven't seen. James Vowell sees something in Logan, and he wants to provide a car that can maximize the potential, something that Alex Albon wants to see as well. Both drivers seem to be fully on board with what the boss is saying. It's a far cry from the downbeat attitude from 2019, when Williams, they were completely stuck in a rut. They had no idea what was going on. They just had to limp their way through 2019 and make use of the rocket money, the all money from Robert Kubica, and maybe that singular point from Robert that they technically got from the Alfa Romeos being disqualified. And, of course, there was George Russell but then George Russell didn't really have much to work with in that time, and it wasn't really until 2020 when he got that gig for Mercedes and Sakir where we could truly see George's potential. But George's influence has been a good thing, and Alex has been able to sustain that good motion. And yeah, 2021, it did seem like a false dawn, much like Hass's false dawn in 2022. Albon's redemption arc has been a huge part of the Williams bounce back, and the positive sentiment towards the team and the Thai driver he has proven to become a worthy figure within the sport, that he deserves a place in Formula 1 for the long term. And something of which, curiously in interviews, he has said that he never had doubts with, that he always felt like he belonged in Formula 1. Which makes sense, considering that everybody was shocked that he was thrown out of Formula 1 with Red Bull, and they didn't even give him a chance with the likes of the AlphaTauri team. Now, he's found his place. And his place clearly wasn't being Max Verstappen's teammate. I feel like nearly everyone on the grid can't really compare next to Max Verstappen in the same team. At Williams, though, he seems completely at home. And all these stuff I've heard in interviews are very encouraging. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even though there are rumors that he wants out of his contract and is seeking a role with Ferrari, perhaps... No, I don't really see that happening. He's aware that the team can make big gains in quick succession, since according to his own estimations, the car has only managed about 25% of its full potential in the course of the ground effect era of the sport, whilst the bigger teams, especially Red Bull, are probably reaching the limits that the rules will allow. The fact that Albon sees that Williams have much more room to grow still and that there is plenty of room for improvement and that Williams aren't reaching the walls of the limits of what this car can technically do, then why would he leave? I could understand if he was getting itchy feet, if he felt like the Williams car and the Williams operation could do not much more with what they have and the limiting returns would become a big issue for him in the long term. Yeah, I could see him wanting to move to another team. But when he knows that there's plenty of potential and development left on the table that they can harness and that he knows is capable of with the team, then why would he leave? Because he's there right there on the ground floor and he'll be the one to maximize it. That's why loaded pundits out there are really thinking that a podium is on the cards for Alex in 2024. According to many experts, a lot of it has something to do with the slow corners and the fact that their brakes are absolutely rubbish, and it makes them look really ungainly in the corners, which is a major factor with the 2022 cars. Whenever you see them in the low speed corners, they just look really blah, 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 blah. They're not like in the high speed stuff where they look absolutely supreme. And Williams are probably one of the worst sufferers of this. If they can fix that, then a lot of the problems they have will probably go away. And yeah, they do have lingering issues like they're sensitive to wind, which I am after a very spicy curry. But what's important here and will set up Williams for long term success in the future is that they finally have a sense of identity, that they know who they are and what they need to do. In the book Total Competition, the conversation between Ross Brawn and Williams's previous CEO, Adam Parr, the key thing to understand for an F1 team is to know oneself and your enemy in which to truly succeed. In the span of 12 months, Williams have become completely aware of the shortfalls that they have and what they need to do to correct it. And of course, they, as well as pretty much everyone else on the grid, know exactly who their enemy is. They are looking to Red Bull because Red Bull are the main stars of this ground effect era. But at the same time, though, I think Williams are also trying to understand the enemies around them, because sometimes it's not worth punching above your weight. Because Williams can't get to Red Bull immediately. They can't. It's just completely unrealistic. They are still a few years behind McLaren, who in theory could take the fight to Red Bull. Williams, no, 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 no. no. They are probably more likely looking to Alpine as their next target which is far more reasonable. Considering that Pat Fry, their new technical director, has just come from Alpine, stating that the French-based team at the time, when they were doing their massive purge, weren't really looking like they were a winning team. They didn't have the right attitude, which he believes that they have. And I think Pat Fry knows a thing or two when it comes to who can win and who cannot because Fry's career has taken him many places, starting off with the likes of Benetton, then he did two stints with McLaren, and then, of course, he had a little bit of time with Ferrari. Sure, having Vals and Albon there is all well and good, but you also need somebody who knows a thing or two when it comes to developing the car, because for the longest time, Williams didn't really have a de facto head technical director. That was a very big issue, but thankfully, they have addressed that with Pat Fry. His experience will be crucial, and he knows exactly what Williams needs to do in which to find some long-term success. He's been around the block and has overseen the successes of Mika Hakkinen and Lewis Hamilton at McLaren, as well as doing his bit as a consultant for MANA Racing in 2016 shortly before they folded. I don't know whether you've seen it or not, but I've seen plenty of little low-quality pictures of what the 2017 MANA car would have looked like, that they were working hard on the rule changes coming for 2017 and looking to try and jump up the pecking order. And that was a really ambitious project for that team, which was really struggling with funding. And that's why they folded. It just makes you wonder if Pat Fry was able to see it through. They had the cash that they could have carried on into 2017 with much more understanding of what the Mercedes engine had because they took Mercedes engines from 2016. We might have seen a Mana team that would have reliably scored points with Esteban Ocon as their lead driver with Pat Fry there overseeing the operation. And Mana might have survived a little longer they might still be here today. But what Fry hoped to do with MANA for 2017, he's hoping to do with Williams in 2026. He sees it as a real opportunity to make gains, especially with Mercedes still being rumoured to be the engine maker of choice in this opening stages of the regulation area, and something that McLaren also relate to. And another thing that Fry said, which was really, really fascinating and fills me with great hope that Williams will be able to do good on all of this, is that he believes in the idea of not just replacing everything on the shop floor for the sake of replacing it. Fry has taken a look and seen exactly what needs to be replaced and what doesn't need to be replaced, either for the short term or for the long term, or whether there's no point in replacing it and just letting it fade out because it's no longer going to be relevant for F1 in 2026. That is great management. This trinity, coupled with the benevolent oversight of Doralton Capital, the owners of the team, are proving to be very successful. Fouls guiding the entire operation, Albon overseeing the development of the car in the setup direction. And then you got Pat Fry, who can then take that advice and feedback from Logan Sargent and Alex Albon and make a car that can fully realize their potential and set themselves for good success come the 2026 regulation changes. And again, this is why I don't think the rumours of Alex Albon moving somewhere else make any sense at all. Surely Alex would be buoyed with what they are doing and why would he jump right now when another guy could jump right in and make the most of all of the things and efforts that he put into the team in the first place? As we've seen with the great teams, you need to have an entire leadership team in place in which to sustain a good run of fortune. You had Ferrari in the 2000s, you had Red Bull and Mercedes in the 2010s and now Red Bull again in the 2020s. The entire operation is running like clockwork not just one factor say the team principal or the driver Williams have timed this all correctly they have taken a look at what is the current situation in formula one and where it's going and are looking to put in everything that they need to in which to get everything out the maximum efficiency possible instead of just taking this big pile of money they've been given and gone replace everything and then come the regulation change You could easily see them right back up fighting with the likes of McLaren and Aston Martin for podiums instead of scrapping for P8 or something like that. You feel like that they are the next McLaren because they are making good use of the cost cap. Whilst McLaren are already there and are now making gains to try and beat Red Bull, Williams right now are at the beginning and setting themselves the target to counter the likes of Alpine and also counter the revived second team of Red Bull. Do you feel like they know where they're going? That... They have a sense of direction, and all of that forward thinking has translated into goodwill and massive positive sentiments from the Formula One fandom. You feel like they are cheering on Williams' good fortune, as well as the chance of McLaren toppling Red Bull. The fans are behind them, which is a lot more than can be said for the likes of Haas. Thanks for listening to my ladder ramblings. If you liked what you heard, do be sure to leave a 5-star rating on your podcasting platform of choice. I really do appreciate it, and until the next time I traverse the ladder, I hope you have a pleasant day. Goodbye.